we let's open our Bible to uh, probably a familiar passage, Romans 8, 28. Romans 8, 28. Most of us could probably quote this verse from memory. But do we know this verse by experience? God teaches his people. He said, uh, all his children shall be taught of God. It says in Romans eight twenty eight, and we know, this is not something that we speculate about, but this is something that we know that we have been convinced of by God's spirit and by his grace that all things, good things, bad things, heartaches, sorrows, pain, sickness, death, all things work together for good. And a lot of people stop right there and they try to apply it to everybody that ever lived. And it's not that way. This verse is a promise. This verse is to a certain people. And we know that all things work together for good to them. We need to find out who the them are. To them that love God. We don't love him like we should and like we'd like to. But God's people do love God. They love him. He should have brought his love in their heart to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Everything God does, everything God allows to come to pass, it comes to pass on purpose, divinely arranged by his sovereign will. For whom he did foreknow, verse 29, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. I want us to think about this thought this morning, Romans 8, 28, but I want us to go back and turn to the book of Genesis for an, one of the best illustrations of this book in all the scriptures. It's taken from the life of Joseph. We're going to begin in uh, Genesis chapter 37. There's no way we can cover all this information this morning. I just hope that I maybe strike something in your in your mind that maybe this week you'll just begin here and just begin read this story once again. I think sometimes we just become so familiar with things we we fail to see that God's God's word is fresh. God's word is real and it and it speaks to our hearts. We know these verses. I'm not I don't have anything new this morning. I have anything new? I only have one message. That's Jesus Christ and him crucified. And if you miss that message, you've missed it. You've missed him. He's in every line. He's in every paragraph. He's in every word. Somebody said one time, say, well, I don't see Christ in that scripture. Said, well, don't preach on that scripture till you see Christ in it. He's there. You just don't see him. But when you see him there, then you preach him from those scriptures. All things work together for good. Genesis chapter 37, we'll read the uh, first five verses. And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. 
Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhi and with the sons of Zilhi. His father's wife and Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now Israel, Jacob, loved Joseph more than all of his children because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a coat of many colors. Some people said, well, Jacob should have never made him this coat. And some said, well, Joseph should have never wore it. This coat distinguished Joseph from his brethren. It distinguished him. That's why he made it. It was a place of honor, a place of respect. And this is what God did. You can see the picture here. This is a picture of Christ, how that God has exalted him above all, all ever being. He's exalted. He's king of kings and lord of lords. And Jacob exalts Joseph. He loved him more than all of his brethren. And look in verse 4. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all of his brethren, they hated him. They despised him. They could not speak peaceably unto Joseph. Could not. Just, just hated him. Just despised him. Does that not? Sound familiar when Christ came? Oh, they, they hated him. They, they despised him. They didn't embrace him. Hated him. Why? They said he claims to be God's son. He didn't only claim to be, he was. They knew it. He, this distinction that God had made. And his brethren hated him. In verse 5, and Joseph dreamed a dream. And he told his brethren, and they hated him yet the more, not only for the coat, but for the dreams. God gave him these dreams. And you know what the dreams were? He, he said that one day that all of his brethren would bow down to him. And not only his brethren, but his father and his mother would do obeisance unto him. They said, oh, we, that ain't going to happen. That'll never happen. It did happen. It did happen. But what I want you to see, there's a lot of things had to transpire these dreams to come to pass. These dreams were the purpose and will of God for Joseph. Now listen, we see here a picture of Christ, but I see here also a picture of a believer. God has a purpose and a plan for you, his people, that he chose before the world was ever made. The steps of a good man are ordered to the Lord. Every step Every breath that you've ever made and took was ordained of God for a purpose. For a, I'm glad it's no accident. Now, I'm glad. I, as you look, as I look back over my life, and I know you can yours, I see the hand of God arranging and bringing everything to pass. But here we see Joseph's brethren, they hated him, despised him. And when he told them the dreams, they hated him that much more. And look in verse 18. Jacob's, I mean, Joseph's brothers had gone out to feed sheep. And Joseph, or Jacob, sends Joseph out to find his brothers. It says in verse 18, And when they saw him, his brothers saw him afar off. Even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him, to slay him or to kill him. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him and cast him into some pit. 
And we will say some evil beast hath devoured him. And we shall see what will come of his dreams. So we'll stop his dreams. We'll never, we'll never bow to him. We'll see what will become of his dreams. And Reuben heard it, verse 21, and he delivered him out of their hands. And he said, let us not kill him. And Reuben said unto them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit that is in the wilderness, and lay no hand upon him, that he might rid him out of their hands to deliver him to his father again. It came to pass when Joseph was coming to his brethren that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was upon him, and they took him and cast him into that pit that was empty and there was no water in it. They stripped him of that coat, that that place of honor that God the Father had given him. They said, we'll kill him. We'll despise him. We'll, we'll throw him into this pit. Can you imagine what Joseph thought? Here I lay in this pit. And it was only the providence of God that they didn't kill him. Only the providence of God. But do you see that the, these things that came to pass in his life, part of it was he had to be thrown into this pit. You know, most movies you see, they're just, they're just, it's just make-believe. But I saw one of the best ones i ever seen on the life of Joseph. He showed his brothers, they see him coming across the desert, and they're just so mad. They're just scheming. They go, what are we going to do when he gets here? They'd done planning. They were plotting. And when he gets there, they just run at him, and they strip the coat off of him, and they throw him into this pit, and they leave him there for two or three days. And Joseph's saying, help me, help me, help me for days. And it just, it's about to drive them crazy. And one says, I can't stand it anymore. Let's kill him. Let's get rid of him. But God wouldn't allow it. God had a purpose in this. You may be in a pit. It may feel like there's no way out. There's only one way in. And all you can do is look up. That's why God puts us in a pit. To do what? Look up. Look to him. We don't have any choice. This is why it came, comes to pass. God orders it. God arranges it. Why? Whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. So Joseph here is cast into this pit. Listen to me. Don't just look at one isolated act. Saying, how can this work together for good? It seems so horrible. Say a, a man loses his spouse or a husband loses his wife or a wife loses her husband or some tragedy happens. Said, how can this, how can this be? How can any good come from this? Don't look at just one isolated act. And listen, you may never see what good comes from it. May never. All things work together for our eternal good and God's glory. Eternal good. We may never see it. We may never in this life understand it. But it doesn't matter. <laughs> He's on the throne. Even when Joseph is in the pit. But he doesn't stay in the pit. If you want to remember this little outline, he goes from the pit to Potiphar's house. While Joseph's in the pit, the brother said, oh, let's don't kill him. Let's make a little money off of him. They just happened, to ha just happened to see these people coming by going to Egypt. Just happened? Huh. I don't think so. 
And they said, let's, pit, let's get him out of the pit, and we'll just sell him. We'll make some money off of him. And we'll take the coat, and we'll kill a goat or a lamb, and we'll put the blood on it, and we'll tell our daddy that some wild animal killed him. Let him come up with his own conclusion about what happened to him. That's what they did. And the, Joseph's father believed the lie for years. Isn't that a picture of you believing a lie for years? You come up with your own conclusion about what, that his death was just an accident, that it was just an act of fate. No, it was ordained. But that's what he believed. And Joseph is alive. But these Ishmaelites come by, and they take him to Egypt. Egypt is a picture of the world, and that's where the Ishmaelites trade in the world. And they take Joseph to Egypt. Jesus Christ had to become a man, and he came to this world, Egypt. Don't you know Joseph had heard stories about Egypt? Abraham had told Isaac, and Isaac had told Jacob, and Jacob, I know, told his son about Egypt. Remember when Abraham went down to Egypt, you know what he picked up in Egypt? He picked up Hagar. That's right. They told them these stories about this wicked place where all they did was worship all these false gods, and that's where God takes Joseph? How can this be? How can this be the plan of God? This is in the arrangement of God. It was no accident that they were sold to the Ishmaelites. It was no accident that they took him to Egypt, and it's no accident that he was just happened to be bought by Potiphar, who's the chief guard in Pharaoh's house. Do you see the, the line here? No accidents. Don't you know, Joseph, I see him just sitting in the back of that wagon, so what's going to happen? I don't know what's going to happen to me. I sure don't want to go to this place. But that's where God sent him. It's where God sent him. Genesis 39, verse 1, And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh's captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down hither. Now listen, verse 2. Don't miss this. And the Lord was with Joseph. And the Lord was with Joseph. And he was a prosperous man. You say, how in the world can he be a prosperous man in chains? How can he be a prosperous man? I tell you how, God's with him. God's with him. Don't judge things by feeble senses. Don't judge things by what we see. Let me tell you, God was always with him. And if you're his, if you're his, he's always been with you and for you. He was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. In verse 3, his master saw that the Lord was with him. How did he know that God was with him? I don't think Joseph went in there every day and tried to beat everybody over the head with the doctrines of grace and tried to, prevent, tried to uh, persuade everybody to come to God. No, God was with him, and that man knew it. There's something different about that man. And I tell you, there's something different about a child of God. 
And what makes the difference? The Lord's with them. He was prosperous, but, but he could see it. He knew it. And the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hands. And Joseph found grace in his sight. This man could have killed him. This man didn't have to show him any favor. This man, Potiphar, didn't have to show him any grace. But he did. And he served him. He didn't rebel. You know what he did? He served him. Whatever his position, he served him. Served him. And he made him overseer of all that all his house and all that he had, he put in his hands. And it, verse 5, and it came to pass from that time that he had made him overseer over his house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. Why was that master blessed? Joseph was there. It rains on the just and on the unjust. Say, for instance, you work on a job. You know why the man beside you, he don't, he don't think about God, has no time for God, hates God, despises God. Why does he have a job? Because you have one. That's right. Joseph was in Egypt, in Potiphar's house, and God blessed Potiphar, that wicked man, for Joseph's sake. Why does God bless you? For Christ's sake. That's the only reason. That's the only reason. Ain't It's not because of any merit in you. It's not because of any goodness in you. It's because of Joseph's sake. Why did, J- J- why did David show favor to Mephibosheth? For Jonathan's sake. Why did he send and fetch him? For Jonathan's sake. Why does this world still exist? I'll tell you why. God has an elect people. And he lets it go on for his people's sake. And they're blessed because of those people. Because the Lord was with them. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hands. And he knew not aught that even he had. This man didn't. And he knew not aught that he had, save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well-favored. So here he is. He went from the pit. He's in Potiphar's house. And the Lord blesses him. But then something happens. Potiphar's wife, who's a picture of false religion, cast her eye upon Joseph. And she said, Joseph, you lie with me. You compromise and you lie with me. And he says, I will not do it. You know what she did? She grabbed his coat. The brothers lied. They said Joseph's dead. And she lied. She said, he, he lay with me. No, he didn't. And what she's trying to do, she's trying to defame his character. Does that not sound familiar? Let me tell you, you know what she was? Let me, I'm putting it as plain as I know how to say it. This woman was a cheap whore. And that's what the world calls religion. That ain't no church. When you pass those buildings, they claim to be a church. That's a whorehouse. You say, preacher, that's just plain. That's what the word of God calls it. The word of God says in the book of Proverbs, said, don't you go near her house. 
Said she'll stand on the corner, she paints her face, and she entices men to come into her house, and her house leads down to hell. Isn't that what this woman did? That's exactly right. We're gonna, what are we going to do? We're going to defame the character of Almighty God. He's not God. They say that Jesus that they talk about is trying to save people and can't because you just won't let him. Does that not sound like they're trying to defame his character? Is that not what she did? He came in to me. Look, I've, I've got the evidence. I've got his coat. And she lied. You know what they did when the Lord Jesus Christ came? They hired false witnesses. Pilate said, I find no fault in him. And they kept bringing all these false witnesses that they'd, they'd paid them off. You know what they were doing? They were just lying. Lying. And Pilate knew it. God may allow people to lie on you too. I don't think there's anything hurts worse than to have somebody that you know they just tell them a bald face lie. Right? Just. But you see how God is arranged. You say, how can all this work together for good? Okay, goes from the pit to Potiphar's house. And why is in Potiphar's house? This woman lies on him. And when Potiphar comes in, she says, looky here. That old Hebrew slave that you brought in, look what he's done. So you know what he done? He takes Joseph and he has him bound and takes him and throws him into the prison. Verse 20 of chapter 39. Let me tell you this. He didn't really believe his wife. He knew better. You know why? He knew Joseph. If he'd have believed her, Joseph would have never wound up in prison. He'd had his head cut off. That's right. He would have. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound. And he was there in the prison. Here it is again. But the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. What did he say? I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I love to sing that song. It says, he'll no never, no never, no never forsake. That's a sure foundation. It may seem like he has. You imagine what Joseph thought. How, how can this be? I hear him. I'm in prison now. I went from a pit to Potiphar's house, and this woman lies on me. Now I'm in the prison. How, how can anything good come from this? Just hold on. We're getting there. It seems like God's wheels move awful slow. God allowed the Amorites and the Hittites and the Jebusites and all them to dwell in the land of Canaan for 400 years. He says, the iniquity of the Amorites is not full. But when it was full, God drove them out. All things working together for good. 
Joseph's in the prison. Verse 22 of Genesis 39, And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph all the prisoners that were in the prison, and whatsoever they did, he was the doer of it. And the keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand, because the Lord was with him. And that, which he, and, I, and that which he did, the Lord, the Lord made it to prosper. Everywhere he went, God was with him. And everywhere he went, God prospered him. Everywhere. Everywhere. And in chapter 40, you know what happens while he's in the prison? Now, this is a purpose. This is a reason. This is, there's a purpose in all this. Do you not see the... The picture here of Christ, he came and the world hated him and despised him. They lied on him and then they cast him into prison. And while he's in prison, two men are thrown into prison with him. A butler and a baker. They were the king's servants. Somebody lied on them. And he told them, just so happened they wind up in the same prison cell with Joseph. Now what's the odds of that? Do you not see the picture of the Lord Jesus Christ hanging between two thieves? And they, and they have a dream. And both men have a dream. And they can't inter- nobody can interpret the dream. There's only one that can interpret dreams, and that's Jesus Christ. That's exactly right. These dreams predicted what was going to happen to them, their future. The butler had a dream. He said, I dreamed, and... I think seven things were in his head or in his hand. It was seven, which represented seven days. And he said he had a cup in his hand. And Joseph said, your dream means that in seven days, Pharaoh is going to put you back in the position that you had. He's going to restore you. You're going to be delivered. Oh, he said, oh, that's that's good news. So the baker, he says, well, his, his, his dream was good. Mine probably must be good too. He said, on your head was seven baskets of bread, which means seven days. But in seven days, Pharaoh's going to lift your head from off your body. Do you not see the picture here? On the cross, one was saved and one perished. He showed mercy to one and not the other. And they just happened to be in the same prison at the same time. God allowed, listen to me, oh, this is good. God allowed Joseph to be in prison to save that butler. Did he not save that thief on the cross? Oh, it seemed like Christ in his weakest hour saved that man, he said. That first, that man began to rail on him. Then he said, would you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And he said, today you'll be with me in my kingdom. Something happened. You know what made the difference between this one thief and the other thief? You know what made the difference? What was the difference between them? i tell you what, the man in the middle. The man in the middle. But do you see... If it had never been thrown in the pit, if it had never been sold to Potiphar, if it had never been lied on, he'd have never wound up in the prison. All things work together for good. Okay, you know what happened? They come get the butler, 
take him out. He's restored to honor and favor. Does that not sound like salvation? Restores him. He's forgiven. Take the baker and they kill him. Judgment fell upon him. But Joseph tells the butler, he said, would you remember me? When you get back to Pharaoh's honor, would you remember me? And it says, verse 23 of Genesis 40, yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. There's so many lessons here. How many times do we forget our Joseph who delivered us from that prison? And he's still there. The next verse, the first verse in Genesis 41, it says, he stayed there another two years. Joseph did. You know what God teaches us to do? Wait on him. Wait. I, I, Jesus Christ was a man. He's able to be felt with the feelings of my infirmities. I know this is a picture of Christ, but this is a picture of us also. Seems like God's forgot us. We're still here in the prison. Surely I thought he would have delivered me by now. Just wait. Just wait. In chapter 40, somebody else has a dream. A man named Pharaoh. And this dream disturbs him. You know the dream, it was a picture of a dream of seven fat cows that come up out of the river. Then right behind them come seven lean cows, and the seven lean cows just devoured the fat cows. Well, then he said he saw, dreamed another dream, and there was seven ears, seven stalks of corn, just had such huge, large ears on them. Well, then right behind them come seven stalks just blistered and just devoured the fat ears. And nobody could interpret the dream. And the butler says, oh, my goodness. When I was in prison, there was, there was a man down there named Joseph. He interpreted my dream, and it came true. Maybe he might just be able to interpret that dream. But let me tell you this, those magicians couldn't interpret that dream. But God did. They said, call Joseph. Mm that despised, hated Joseph that went in the pit to Potiphar's house, to the prison, to be identified with cheats and ungodly rebels like us. And they call him from the prison. And they say, can you interpret this dream? He said, the interpretation of dreams belongs to God. And he says, here's what the dream means. The seven means there are going to be seven good years, fat and plenteous. But after the seven years of plenty, there are going to be seven rank years. And the seven bad years are totally going to consume the good years. Oh, you can just see the fear and horror in all their faces. And they said, what are we to do? He said, you need to put somebody over this. And while those are seven good years, they need to put, build storehouses and put all this corn in it so when the seven lean years come, there'll be food. 
So isn't that so wise? That's how God works. But let me tell you this, if Joseph had never been to Egypt, there'd have never been a storehouse. When the famine came, you know, you know what brought Jacob? You know why Jacob had to send his brothers to Egypt? There was a famine. Famine drove them to Egypt. And they, you know where they came to? They came to Joseph. Now he's not, listen, he went from the pit to Potiphar's house to the prison. Now he's sitting on the throne. That don't bless your heart. I don't know nothing else to say. Do you not see the picture? He came in through all this, and he rules and he reigns, and now he opens the storehouses. He's king in Egypt. You want corn, you go to Joseph. That's what they said. And when the famine came, you know what brought Joseph's brothers to Joseph? A famine. God allows famines to drive you to Christ, to beg for corn. And he knows who you are. And them boys come, and he could have had every one of them killed. He, he recognized them, but they didn't recognize him. Do you not see the similarities? And first, he was kind of rough on them, and he, he bound one of the brothers. I think it was Simeon or Reuben. I can't remember which. And he said, do you have any more brothers? Because they all came down but Benjamin. They said, oh, we got one more. Oh, really? He said, I'm going to prove you and test you. He said, you are, y'all were just wicked. Man, you just come to spy out the land. That's why you come. You didn't come to buy corn. I've seen your kind before. He said, I'm going to prove you. Well, you're telling the truth or not. He said, I'm going to bind this brother. And don't you come back and see me again. Do you bring Benjamin? And when they go back and tell their daddy... See, Benjamin and Joseph were true brothers, children of Rachel. And Jacob's just not going to turn Benjamin loose. But he finally does because Reuben stands surety for him. But when them boys come down the next time and Benjamin's with him, it says Joseph couldn't contain himself and Joseph walks in there to them brothers and says, I'm Joseph. And showed them mercy. Things work together for good. Let me finish the story. Later on, Jacob's going to die. And it's just Joseph and his brothers. And the brothers are afraid now. They think, well, Joseph just showed us favor because of our daddy. Joseph said, don't you be afraid. He said, you meant it for evil. But God meant it for good. Everything that they do, the world, whoever it may be, they mean it for evil. That's why they mean it. Mean it. But God means it for good. You know why he said? To save much people alive. All things work together for good. Now do you see it illustrated? Now do you see the picture? Now do you see that? Oh, I see it now. I see, I, I see now why I had to go in the pit. 
I see now why he had to go to Egypt. I see now why he was cast into prison. I see now why he rules and reigns over all things. Why? To save much people alive. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose.